Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. Hello and welcome to Asia Tech Podcast. My name is Graham Brown. We are in the studio with Anu Talreja. Anu, welcome. Hey, everyone. It's good to have you here. Good so, to be here. Well, it's good to be here. We're going to talk about Oxford Caps. We're mm-hmm. going to talk about your journey as an entrepreneur, right. how it all happened. So mm-hmm. originally you're from Delhi. I am de- uh, from Delhi, born, brought up in Delhi, grew up, most spent most of my childhood in Delhi. Right. Uh, through and through Delhiite. Delhiite. Uh, I think we were talking sometime back, big foodie. Which yeah, is, you have uh, to be if you're from Delhi. Yeah. Right? Love Four Seasons. Yeah. I think that's one thing I miss most about Delhi. Yeah. Uh, it gets in, cold, doesn't it? In, I'm surprised. I went there once in, <laughs> and it was in the winter. Yes. And we were standing up on a roof terrace yeah. in, a, in some sort of like evening reception. I thought, yeah. actually, this is really cold. It, it's very pleasantly cold. It's yeah. not like cold, cold, but it yeah. does get really pleasant. So, yeah. yeah. Where, where did you go to college? Where did you go to university? Uh, I My first degree is architecture. Yeah. So I went to something called in the Prasta University, IP University, which is the Delhi State University. Mm. Uh, and then I did a master's in city planning, which is School of Planning and Architecture in Delhi itself. Yeah. Uh, one of the best architecture schools in uh, India. Yeah. Uh, basically been around the place, know it like the back of my hand. And how long have you been in Singapore? Uh, a while now. Um, though not physically here for over 10 years, but mm. I first moved to Singapore 2007. Um was here for a few years, then moved back to India to 11, came back to 14 for NCAD. Mm. So have known Singapore, seen it evolve for past 10 years plus. Seen now. all the changes as well. Yes. <laughs> yeah, good. I mean, we're talking about that. But your, I mean, Oxford Caps, this is a student-focused service, right? right? right. A community. And we talk about the, the, the products and, mm-hmm. you know, what it does and so on. Mm. How long is it since you were a, a student? Ah. Uh, to 14, 15, so three, yeah. four years back. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was one of the lucky ones who had the opportunity to go back to school after a long time. Yeah. So, yeah, not too far away. And uh, this is something I witnessed firsthand. I've, I'd lived in Singapore for about five years before, mm. and I worked in real estate. And despite that, when I came back on a student pass, it was just a nightmare. Like, as soon as you switch from an EP to a student pass, it's like you're a whole new person altogether. Right. Well, the landlord gives you different conditions, does he? Or? Yeah, you don't even get to see the landlord first. It's uh, mm. Singapore is su- just such a strong broker-driven market. Like, there are brokers who actually ask me on the phone, are you a white Indian or a black Indian? Wow, I mean, what yeah. is that? Yeah. Come yeah. And explain I, to me. Never, I, can't, I, c- I, I have never been so furious in my wow. life. Wow. What, serious? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, who, yeah. who was, uh, was uh, not naming the names, but it was a Singaporean? Yeah, yeah. Chinese Singaporean or I, I not an Indian so. Singaporean. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. But it's uh, I don't think that's a factor of being a Chinese Singaporean oh, right, or okay. Indian Singaporean. I think it's just biases that exist in the market. Mm. And uh, for the longest time, I used to think that you would have these biases only against Asians, you know, Indian, Chinese, Vietnamese. But after going to NCIT, I felt that Europeans and Americans they kind of feel different kind. Uh, uh, experience different yeah. kind of biases so they have their own sort of set of problems so yeah. being a student as convenient as it should be it's just not so tell me about this experience your husband went to study in the UK yep so in the UK or more matured student housing markets um, you'll see because there are dedicated student housing accommodation that is mm. uh, available which is why there are regulations that govern uh, you know so 
for example, uh, you're able to pay uh, a student housing service provider is able to directly deduct the rent from your scholarship or, mm. uh, you know, your loan amount. The rental payments are bi-monthly, you know, 15 days payments. You do bookings by semester. So uh, there is an organized student housing market that kind of uh, sets these norms and regulations, thereby reducing the default rate, uh, you know, bringing in enough margins to have a proper property manager mm. in the picture which takes care of the property. Uh, so once the market matures, all these things can be brought in. But for that, the market has to move yeah. towards some level of maturity. Yeah, definitely. Well, we're getting there slowly. And you're helping uh, a little bit here. So <laughs> We're trying to. Yeah, let's talk about the solution. Let's mm. talk about Oxford Cap. So we can jump back into the, the mm -hmm. pitch deck. What I'll do is I'll jump to the solution part, which is slide sure. eight. And so what you're talking about is building an ecosystem for student living. Hmm. Why do we need an ecosystem? Oh, you need an ecosystem specifically for student living more than any other kind of housing is because um, a couple of things. You are, by the virtue of uh, saying student housing, you are talking about mobile students, hmm. which means when they're looking for housing, they're not in that geography right now. Right. And if you have to ever use technology to do real estate bookings, that's the first demographic to target. Yeah. Uh, right. As a family, if you are going to look for a house or I'm going to look for a house, especially the women, they would want to see you know, what kind of flooring and, mm. you know, a lot of softer things in the house. Well, men as well, you know, uh, come on. Men as well, okay. Yeah. Uh, but for students, uh, they mostly care about it's a happy environment. Yeah. They get along with people that they're living with. It's close to school. So if you ever have to use technology to do real estate bookings, this is the first area to do mm. that. And that's what we have done. You know, it's end-to-end technology-driven booking, including your lease signing, international payments, everything. It's completely on tech. Mm. Um, how, how is that different from what is out there already? So what is out there is basically you have listing portals where brokers can come and list. So mm. essentially your <clears throat> call to action is you go, you look for properties that you like. First of all, you have to select. So if I'm coming from Delhi to Singapore for the first time and I'm going to study at NCAT, um, so NCAT is not the best example. There are people know where they want to live, mm -hmm. but I'm going to study at, say, SIM. Right. And I don't know where I should live. So uh, the whole Singapore is wide open to me. So I need to be adept enough to a technology to find what are the best locations. Mm. So on our portal, you can search by university. So, right. everything so if I chose SIM, yeah. it's going to so give me the, the Yeah, it's the within 15 around. minutes travel oh. time from your university. So that's okay. number one. Second, your call to action is actually booking the property instead of calling the broker yeah. of that property. So if you look at a property detail page on our website, mm. the level of information that is provided is down to the extent of what kind of mattress is provided in the room. Yeah. So it is very detailed information that enables enables decision-making from far apart mm. um, and hence allow you to book the property online. So it's just like hotel booking, but you're doing it for long-term stay. Yeah, interesting that you give that kind of level of detail, whereas, yeah. you know, for what you would assume was higher paying market hmm. so the professionals hmm. they get so much less detail i mean hmm. if i was to look at any of the main property portals and hmm. then look at a housing listing hmm. it might have three photos of which right. one most of them from the outside so right. it's a condominium yeah. i'll be lucky to actually see inside <laughs> and then you go inside and then you'll have that 
WC picture, which that's is it. A on terrible an aircon remote. Yeah, why do they need to see that, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's, I mean, the, the, it seems like the level of detail is quite low in that market. But, you know, you would have thought, well, students pay less. Mm. Why are you then giving them more detail? Oh, so it's not about paying more or less. It's about they feel comfortable enough to make their booking on the technology. Right. Even uh, if I give you that level Me of make detail. Make the booking means what? means they, actually they, sign the contract. Yes. To, okay, yes. right. So booking means doesn't mean booking to go and no, see the place. No, it's so actually I, from signing Delhi, the lease. I can sign a lease yes. from Delhi. Yes. Got yes. it. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So even if I, as a professional, even if I give you that level of information, you would still want right. to go and see the property. Yeah. Uh, but for students, it's not, it's not as important. They're more concerned about you know, who are the other five people living with me in right. the house. Okay. Right. So there it enables us to do that, which dramatically reduces our operating costs because you're not investing in multiple property visits. Mm. So is there any property portal out there, students accepted, outside of that, where you can actually, I mean, obviously we've got Airbnb, mm. we've got the sort of service department mm. market as well. Mm-hmm. I can actually book in your terms. Mm. I can actually sign a lease not, online. Not to my knowledge. And, right. Uh, not in Singapore. Why doesn't that exist? Um, well, it... <laughs> is it because it's a protected market in a way? Like you're kind of cutting people out of the loop? Uh, not really. Uh it is an attractive market, but if you're just doing a bookings portal, uh, then it is not probably an attractive enough market mm. because uh, if you're a booking portal, you're basically just making transaction revenue. Yeah. So unlike an Airbnb, you are not going to have big volumes of transaction. Mm-hmm. Um, your market size is going to be limited, even if we talk of just Singapore. And uh, you're going to be a very seasonal business. Uh, students come in twice a year mm-hmm. and that's when you're going to make your revenue. So if you're just a booking portal, it makes it a very different, right. uh, difficult business to run. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we can have a quick flash through if we were to look sure. at some of the examples. As people actually visualize this, um, right. there's the app and then you know some of the example properties as well. I'm just going to skip towards the end of your pitch deck. Yeah. Um, Maybe it's worth having a look at some of these. Th- these are actually in India. Yes. These standardization formats. Right. Is that where you're going into student residences and you're sort of bringing them up a level? Yes. Yeah. What's happening here? So uh, basically what we are doing is we are taking properties, brownfield assets, existing mm. assets, uh, which have a certain kind of layout mm. that they can be retrofitted to give a good yield-generating student housing product uh, and then kind of uh, have the owners put in the capex Uh, but we are doing the brand standards we are giving the design guidelines to the owners to come up with a product which really engages the student community and it feels like home so this property specifically it was covered by uh, most of the indian dailies as the best Boys Hostel in Delhi University. Is that a student property? Yes, it is. It's one of our best properties, I wow, must say. That's uh, not bad. I it, mean, I'm thinking back to my experiences in the 80s and 90s. It's nothing yeah. on the same level, right? Oh, and you didn't study in India, I suppose, right? Well, so, I mean, even still, <laughs> it's like, wow, I yeah. mean, that's that's something you see on Airbnb. Yep. So uh, basically, this was an old guest house, mm. uh, dilapidated been unused for a long period of time i think three four years and uh, the owner put in some capex according to our design guidelines but right. because it was a guest house it uh, it had the basic layout of 
you know, just like you see budget hotels, doubly loaded corridors with rooms on both sides. Mm. Each room has uh, proper ventilation and lighting and stuff. So you're able to convert it into a student housing format. And on the ground floor, uh, level one, it has open courtyards and, you know, beautiful nice. large spaces yeah. to build out cafeterias. So this kind of a format. I mean, think of your student days. I would have loved nothing more than yeah. to live with 100 of my friends in the same house, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, where everything is taken care of. So that's basically what it is. And uh, it it is a beautiful property with like open courtyards mm. and stuff, nice cafeteria, laundry, housekeeping. Everything is taken care of for you. So is that <laughs> a property? I know it says Oxford Caps Terraces. <laughs> is that a property? You said there's an owner and they put in the capital for mm -hmm. this, right? Have you gone to... A, an existing building and saying, hey, look, we can do this for you. Has the owner come to you? Or have you gone, have you created the blueprint and then looked for investors? How does it work in that situation? Um, <clears throat> it's been a mix. Um, the bl Creating a blueprint in an unorganized market like India is kind of relatively difficult. Yeah. Because um, there are different things that can be converted to uh, this kind of a prototype. Our other property was a commercial column-free kind of large space where they were able to put in uh, you know, dividers in the space and create the kind of format that we wanted. Uh, so a lot of it is basically uh, because Priyanka and I, we both worked in real estate for mm. 10 plus years. A lot of it is your network, past network and, you know, Absolutely, understanding of yeah. the market and stuff. Yeah. So especially in real estate, it's yes. you need somebody to call you up and say, hey, look, I heard that there's an yes. owner selling a correct, building. Correct. So That's how it works, it, isn't it? A lot of it is personal network yeah. and professional network. And yeah. Stuff. yeah. Okay. You've mentioned Priyanka. I think it's a good time then maybe to jump back and have a look at your team. Um, we've got this slide here. So we have both of you there. Can you tell us a little bit about how you guys met? Oh, <laughs> we've known each other for 18 years plus. 18 years plus. Yes. Uh, well, that's a good yeah. working relationship. <laughs> uh, yep. So her dad has been my family doctor even right. before I was born. So you okay? Uh, you yeah. knew each other from way back, way Delhi. back, way way back. So yeah. uh, we went to same architecture school. She was one year junior to me. Then yeah. we went to the same masters program. She was again one year junior to me. And we both worked in real estate industry for ten and eleven years each. Right. So known each other for a long, long time. Yeah. So that kind of really helps uh, because it is a very difficult thing to be co-founders right? you it's, have to it's a marriage in a way it, right you've got to make it's sure it's in that fact more than a marriage yeah. because uh you know there's a lot of decisions professional decisions that you need to rely on yeah. for each other so yeah so in that relationship you you are both architects you both have been in real estate hmm. um who does what is one of you sort of more <laughs> salesy one's more technical yeah, does it sort of split like that um <clears throat> we are fire and nice so uh priyanka is like very aggressive and Right. Blah, 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 blah. She, she's like really, uh, she's been in real estate transactions and brokerage right. uh, for okay. a long time. Yeah. Right. That's been uh, most of her experience. Uh, so she does a lot of sales, marketing and stuff. Uh, whereas I am a relatively cooler and calmer person. Right. So uh, most soft spoken. Uh, I, I have done design, construction, property operations. Like my last role right. at Marriott, I was doing asset management. Um, you know, so... Uh, I look at the other, pr setting up the operations, systems and processes, 
we've kind of divided tech and marketing between ourselves and yeah. looking at tech. So that's, yeah. that's how it should be, really. Yeah. You know, yeah. ultimately, somebody makes the widget and somebody sells it, right? That <laughs> yes. should be yes. the fundamental of any yes. good yeah. business relationship. So we both have our own uh, strengths, like not just professionally, but I think after 10 years of working, there are a lot of personal skills that yeah. you develop, which are part of your personality. Uh, and that's how we have distributed stuff. So, Good, yeah. excellent. And 18 years, wow. I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, you should know each other pretty damn well at that point. So yeah. let's talk about the journey as well. So um, you launched in July 2017. Yep. So you're just over a year old. Yeah. Okay. And um, funding, did you... Uh, Go, did you already have backers when you launched? What was no. your situation? No, we launched, uh, we both quit our jobs in May. Mm. Um, we started working on the idea in April, quit our jobs in May, and uh, we bootstrapped initially. We put in some investment of our own. Uh, we got uh, our funding round commitment in October, but we closed it and got money in our bank account by in November, December. Right. Led yeah. by 500 startups? Correct. Okay. Correct. Were you part of an accelerator program? No, or? we weren't. No. no. So you um, went out, sought the funding. You got funding um, in November 2017. Mm -hmm. Up until that point, you bootstrapped it yourself yep. in Singapore. It's an expensive yes. place to bootstrap yes. a startup, yes. right? Yes. Okay. Um, and since then, you've been growing. You now say, I mean, according to the pitch that you've got 1,200 plus beds under yeah, management. 1,300 beds under management. Right. Yeah. Okay, and how many properties would that be approximately? Um, so that depends on the format. So uh, of these 1,300, 900 mm. are in India. Right. Uh, and those are four properties because they are larger properties. Our smallest property in India is 55 beds. Our largest is 550 beds. Yeah. That's one property. Uh, Your largest is 550 50 beds. beds. What one is that? Property. That's like a proper off-campus hostel. Right. Uh, co-living yeah. facility. So the good thing about students as opposed to if you're doing co-living for working professionals, mm. in that age group, you don't have a lot of respect for privacy. You would love to live with yeah, 150 people. Yeah, it's just people. a riot and a party the, every night, yeah, isn't it? The so. more the merrier, right? So yeah. uh, that's a bonus rather than a negative. Correct, yeah? correct. So uh, I think that's the best part about the student housing yeah. bit. Do yeah. you, I know you mentioned co-living. Would that be an area that you consider? Because it seems to be a fashionable area. Like, you know, yes. there's, there's these, I've <laughs> yeah. seen, obviously you've got co-working spaces mm. and it seems to be like a small sort of outcrop from that where you have a house of six people sharing, right. you right. know, and it would be like co-living. Right. It seems like nobody's really kind of got the model right and professionalized it mm. yet. It's lots mm. of cottage industry variants right. of that. Have you right. seen something there? Uh, yep. So I have uh, a variety of them. And um, in my opinion, so student housing is a subset of co-living, right? Uh, we are basically doing co-living, but mm. targeting students. Um, co-living, what we call co-living uh, for your working professionals, I think that does have a market, but that market is in my view, limited to some gateway cities, mm. you know, where real estate costs are really high and you see a lot of international or high high salaried people working in those cities. Mm. So Singapore is a good market, Hong Kong, New York, London, maybe Mumbai, Tokyo. Mm. Uh, but other than that, I don't see co-living scaling to the extent where you can really go down to tier two, tier three markets mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so it, it there is a possibility of looking at co-working and co-living together 
you know, you have small co-living facilities wherever co-working is going. Or the other way to look at it is basically you have one rental housing company where <clears throat> your brand building is basically coming from co-living. You go to gateway cities, have smaller facilities, mm. and uh, then kind of your growth comes from student housing. Because that allows you to expand to, like in India, you can go up to 100,000, right. 200,000 beds, right? And really go deep into smaller towns, tier three, yeah. tier four cities. So uh, it would be a good combination product, but on its own, uh, just doing professional co-housing, um, I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, interesting. Mm. And I guess as well that the professional market is more sensitive to economic cycles as well. And the student market... Right is robust there's always students yeah, it seems yeah, yeah so uh well for that matter even co-working space would uh co-working would also be sensitive to economic cycles mm. but uh i think the difference is <clears throat> all this sharing economy um at least in real estate the concept they would work on is you buy a slice of the pizza it's more expensive than buying the whole yeah. pizza itself right so uh the more slices you're able to make out of it the more, the better are your margins. Mm. Now, in co-working, you not only slice it by space, you slice it by time. You know, I can slice, use the same desk, sell it to 10 people, three mm. hours, nine hours in a week, whatever, right? So you're really able to slice in two dimensions. Similarly, for student, one, I can build larger facilities. Second, uh, students typically don't mind sharing a room. I can do twin share, mm. triple share, right? But when it comes to co-living, one, I'm competing with the outside rental market very yeah. strongly. And second, uh, professionals really don't want to share. Hmm. Uh, so it's almost like a it's, yeah. it's a secondary option right. for them rather so, than a good thing. Right. right. So you can pr bundle it with some services to yeah. some scale, um, but it's not going to get you as good margins as a co-working or hmm. a student housing would. That's why I said as a combination product, it would work very well for brand building. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Mm. Um, conscious of the time, it would just mm. jump back quickly into the pitch deck. A mm. um, couple of questions I want to ask you. Are you raising at the moment? Yes, we are. Right, because you're making money. Uh, yeah, so we're raising growth capital. Right. Our operations, uh, you know, have always been self-sustainable. Mm -hmm. So um, that's a good part of it. We're basically raising for growth. Yeah, and how much are you raising at the moment? Uh, we're looking at upwards of $5 million. Mm -hmm. yeah. Singapore. Dollars. US. US. So yes. that's about six and a half, seven million yep. Singapore dollars, Correct. right? Correct. For Correct. those who are familiar yeah. with Sing. Yeah. Um, and what will that fund? What will that, um, what will that get what will that get the investors? So we are currently um you know, as the deck mentions, we are at an annual run rate of sales of four mm. million plus. Mm -hmm. uh, that's our first year of operations. Uh, so we are looking at expanding to ten to fifteen thousand beds uh over the next twelve months. Um, so you can just uh, imagine, multiply it by mm -hmm. 10, we'll be looking at a 40, 50 million dollar kind of GMV mm -hmm. at that point. Okay. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. And your team at the moment, how many people? Uh, we have 10 people in Singapore, yeah. uh, about 15 in India. Yeah. Uh, we have consolidated a lot of our back-end operations, accounting, finance, marketing in India. Mm -hmm. uh, in Singapore, we have the core operations sales staff. Um, and yeah, we are hiring, expanding quickly. Yeah. But we have we have done it in a very capital efficient way. If you look at uh, some of our competitors across Asia, uh, just with a 400k kind of thing, we have managed to get to sales of four million plus. Mm. And we haven't spent the entire 400k, uh, right. you know, to be honest. Uh, so we've done it. Uh, given our backgrounds in real estate, we have done it in a very capital efficient way. Yeah. 
done been very creative in deals i think that's a good part when you raise less uh you you have room to be get creative instead of just spending money yeah yeah, yeah. it's definitely a real estate mindset isn't it i mean i'm a real estate investor yes. myself yes. and you know when I've had money in the business. Mm. I've sometimes struggled to spend it because I'm, <laughs> I'm always looking at you know I'm, you know I'm not saying I'm cheap, but mm. I'm always like looking for cheaper versions of things. I'm always like questioning, do I actually need that? Right. And it's it's the same sort of attitude you have as a landlord or as an investor right. in properties right. as well. It just trains you to think in a certain right. way that right. you don't lavish. Right. Because you can go and spend a mm. lot of money mm. in a kitchen for right. a property, for example, or in right. a bathroom or right. in extra stuff which is fluff right, right when you know maybe the the customer hmm. the tenant just hmm. wants certain things right, right. it makes right. you sort of okay just get the basics in here right, right. You, and you know some people who get that market wrong they go hmm. in very emotionally don't they right and they sort of oh we're going to decorate it like this and yeah, we're gonna do yeah yeah people don't yeah. want that they just yeah. kind of want yeah. very sort and of especially when you're talking about student housing right i mean uh it needs to be one very functional hmm. and second you cannot deny the fact that students are going to be careless so what you're looking for is, like even when we develop our brand guidelines, what you're looking for is not hotel finishers. You know, yeah. You're looking for really industrial-grade finishers. You know, so I've seen purpose-built student accommodation where like your toilet walls are like all industrial-grade. Like one person comes in, 200-room facility, they can clean it in like yeah. two hours, right? Yeah. And that's what you need because you need to cut down on your operating cost. Um, so you do need to think functionally because end of the day, you know, you're running it as a business. You're not designing your own house. Yeah, that is the problem, yeah. isn't it? That's yeah. the challenge. Okay, good. And Anna, just finishing up, you mentioned that you are, you are recruiting at the moment. Right. And you're in a growth stage. Hmm. So... Are you looking for particular hard skills? Are you looking mm. for people with certain mindsets? Give us a, a flavor. Because people do actually watch this and listen to this right. and think, actually, right. I want to be part of that. Mm. Do I need to be a prop tech guy? Do mm. I need to be a, a sales guy? Mm. What? Mm -hmm. uh, so we are currently looking for definitely one product guy um, on the tech side. Um, mm. A little mid-senior level product person. Uh, and somebody who's worked in prop tech before would definitely be helpful. But having said that, uh, working in prop tech with some VR technology and you know having experimented with different payment platforms, hmm. uh, you know would have been helpful. Uh, but having said that, I think for a startup, the most important thing is the attitude. If you don't come with that attitude, you, the cultural fit is really, really important. Was the entire team is like a family, mm. and end of the day, you're in a customer service business and uh, you know i worked with marriott and mr marriott said you treat your employees well they'll treat your customers well right mm. so that cultural fit of treating the team as a family and you know being there to do what is required and having customer first i think that's super important yeah um, it'd be yeah. good to see on their resume some sort of experience of working in that sort of customer right. facing absolutely. job isn't it absolutely could be retail could be hospitality Abs and absolutely. like hotels absolutely. and so on yeah especially with this demographic you know yeah. you're talking of 17 18 years old who have left their home for the first time mm. they they're kind of intimidated with a big city. They are away from their parents. They're struggling with like 15 things in life. Yeah. Uh, so you don't want to add any more hassle by giving them cookie cutter answers. You know, it needs that empathy yeah. to deal with the customer. It's a great word, empathy. Yeah. How important that is. <laughs> Anu Tareja, everybody. It's great having you on the show. Really Likewise. Yeah, no, it's good to um, hear about your, your story and your journey as well. And, you know... Um, I say from a personal perspective is that mm -hmm. I'm 
from the property industry, from mm -hmm. the real estate industry. Mm -hmm. And I see a lot of prop tech solutions right. come and go mm -hmm. and cross my table here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, it, it's interesting that somebody has approached the student market. Mm -hmm. You know, I have student housing, which I rent out as well. Okay. I, interesting. You know, and the reason is it's some of the highest yield properties yes, out there. If they you, are. But the problem is, is that you, the only way you can make money out of the student market is if you treat the students with respect, Correct. right? And there's a, well, there's a bunch of landlords who can mm. make money and they right. fly by nights, they're gone with it. Correct. You know, they get Correct. caught, they, they get into trouble, they lose their, right. you know, they, they have high mm. void periods mm. and so on. Mm. But if you look after people, right. you know, in, in property, you end yeah. up winning. It's good karma, right, yeah, at the end yeah, of the day. Yeah. It's, it's not a pure real estate business. It's not just a numbers business. It's a people's business. You know, I, just yesterday I was talking to some student. Priyanka had gone to our Delhi University property. She visited it, it after a month. And uh, she spoke to some people and they were all like, you know, our community manager on the site is like, uh, she was like, how are you guys doing and stuff? And most students, they told her, you know, if this guy leaves, then we'll also leave. Yeah. You know, so it comes back to it's not just giving them a bed and a table. Uh, you have to make the environment habitable to them. You know, mm. you need to hire people who understand them, who can empathize with them and who can address their needs. Excellent. Yeah. That's Arnold Talredger, everybody from Oxford Caps. The most effective way of reaching out to you would be what? Email. Email. Yeah. Okay. All the details in the show notes. Anis, thank you so much for coming today. Thanks, Graham. Good to be here. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.